It's Spencer Hughes with another free episode of Hughes from the Heart. Thanks a lot for being here, my friend. Still waiting on the world to join the podcast. Who do I mean by that? Well, I'm looking at the stats right now. We are currently heard in 47 countries around the world. 821 global cities. I want to give a shout out to the U.S., Germany, France, Canada, the U.K., Japan, Australia, the Russian Federation, Brazil, South Africa. Those are my top 10 or so countries that listen to the podcast. But we have India on the list, New Zealand, Mexico, Colombia, Argentina, Ukraine, Puerto Rico, Algeria, United Arab Emirates, Nicaragua, home of my uh, mother, my late great mother, who was born in Manawa. The Czech Republic, Austria, Iran, so many other places, I can't name them all, or we'd spend the whole podcast doing that. Top cities, Frankfurt, Germany, Colorado Springs, Colorado, Novato, California, Columbus, Ohio, San Francisco, Olympia, Washington, the capital of my new home state of Washington, Seattle, Washington, Sparks, Nevada, St. Paul, Minnesota. Those are my top cities, thank you very much. But we are heard in 821 cities, places like Paradise, Nevada, Lake Arrowhead, California, Manhattan, Rig- Rigby, Idaho, Greenwood, Indiana, Odessa, Texas, all over the place, Madrid in Spain, gosh, all over the place, Edmonton, Alberta. Shout out. I think every episode I'll give shout outs to a, a few different cities and countries. I can't do it all here. But my point is, we are heard in 47 total countries, 821 total cities. That changes all the time. The number of cities, especially every day, it seems to go up. And yet, on the paid side of the podcast, we are about to go broke. We're about to go bust. I don't know how much longer. And I, again, this is not this is not me, you know, seeking you know, pity or anything else. I'm just telling you the facts. I don't know how much longer I can keep the podcast going. It has to be self-sustaining and it's not currently. So the best way to help me out with that is to support the podcast for goodness sakes. If you like what you hear on the free content and obviously you do, people are listening all over the place, then please consider subscribing for a dollar a month. I just recently revamped the tiers on Patreon so that Everyone gets the same content, and you decide what you pay. The minimum is a dollar. That's the minimum the Patreon allows me to charge. And you could give as much as you want. You could also donate to the podcast through my Venmo, which is Radio Spencer. That's also greatly appreciated. But remember, the free content is great. I try to do it as often as I can. But the the free content is not what is keeping the podcast alive. It's my subscribers on Patreon. So please, please, please come on over to the Patreon side. I am a big supporter, and I wasn't always because I was raised uh, not by draconian parents by any means, but certainly um, on the draconian side when it came to psychedelics are going to fry your brains, marijuana is going to fry your brain. It was the whole reefer madness thing growing up where I grew up in that environment where all of these drugs were deemed dangerous. and It's not true. Psychedelics are among the safest drugs you can take. And I I wouldn't even call most of them drugs. I would call LSD a drug because it is fabricated in a lab. There's no natural LSD. But psilocybin 
and cannabis, I think it's silly to call these things drugs because they are just things that grow on the lawn, basically. They just grow on the ground, and you can pick them and eat them and smoke them and do all sorts of stuff. And it's just a part of the natural environment. I don't know that Mother Nature, the universe, God, God force, source energy created drugs. I think source energy just created the world. And there are certain things that you eat off the ground that can kill you. And there are certain things that have great benefits for us, such as fruits and vegetables. And I believe things like psilocybin mushrooms. Psychedelics may help people alter how they perceive themselves, thus setting the stage for meaningful positive change in reality. This is from studyfinds.org. Researchers from the University of Cincinnati say psychedelic drugs appear to help patients in a new study change unwanted behaviors by helping them reinvent their perceptions of themselves. Now, I want to note that this is just kind of the latest round of studies, but this, this type of study has been going on since the 1950s, if not earlier than that. And it was governments, particularly the American government, and I live in America, the American government was so scared of what they were seeing from the results of psychedelics that it made people peaceful. It made people not want to jump on the war bandwagon. Some experiments gave LSD to soldiers, and they buckled down and started crying, and they started hugging each other and kissing each other. We can't have that. We can't have world peace, for God's sakes, when we want to support the war machine, right? Certainly, that was the case pre-Vietnam. And I mean, this is really important stuff to understand. Psychedelics were not banned because they were dangerous. Psychedelics were banned because they change the way people think, and they change it for the better. It breaks boundaries, which is a very dangerous thing when you're the government. You want to set as many boundaries as possible. The last thing you want is a bunch of people ingesting psilocybin or LSD or anything else like that and becoming peace-loving, inspired people that don't like being restrained and controlled. It's the last thing you want if you're a government. So researchers from the University of Cincinnati say psychedelic drugs appear to help patients in a new study. But again, this is the old is new again. They've been doing these types of studies for 60 years, if not longer. Study authors analyzed the post-treatment journals kept by a group of participants in a 2014 smoking cessation study, ultimately discovering psychedelics appeared effective in helping certain people quit smoking for years. The research team took note of each participant's own words and found that psychedelics, in combination with talk therapy sessions, often helped longtime smokers begin to see themselves as non-smokers. This new core identify, uh, identity rather, may explain... Study authors say why 80% of these study participants stopped smoking for six months and another 60% remained smoke-free for five years. And that's another thing. Certainly, Big Pharma doesn't want you to know is that it has been proven that even one dose of psilocybin can change people's perceptions forever. There are people that decades later say that that one psilocybin experience was the most significant thing in their lives. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Right up there with a life-changing religious or spiritual experience. Right up there with major epiphanies in our lives. And they knew, again, 50, 60 years ago, when they were doing these studies with smokers, that it was helping people to stop smoking. It was helping people to stop drinking, too. The earlier study was led by scientists at Johns Hopkins University. I want to give kudos to them because they are really at the forefront of much of this research, as are other educational institutions and research facilities that are 
doing the important work of continuing this research that the government stopped, you, you got to wonder where we would be. We're on the verge of legalizing it. Many cities have already decriminalized it and stuff like that. We are on the verge of decriminalizing and legalizing psychedelic uh, medicines. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be a moot point before long. This is going to be like arguing about marijuana. All right. The feds are, are the last holdout for marijuana legalization, but states are realizing that it's not reefer madness, that people aren't jumping off buildings, that people aren't doing all sorts of insane things like we were brainwashed to believe they would do under the influence of marijuana. And it's quite the opposite. It has helped people therapeutically. It has helped people medicinally. It has helped people even recreationally. It's far safer than, my God, you want to talk about illegal, making something illegal. And we tried it and it didn't work. So I'm not for prohibition part two. Don't get me wrong. But my God, alcohol, it shows you one of the biggest hypocrisies of the government is that alcohol is available on every street corner. It's available in every grocery store. It's available in every restaurant. It's available everywhere. And has wreaked more havoc and destruction and death and carnage than psychedelics, all of them combined, could possibly do in a thousand years. And that's the truth. In one year, you have more carnage from the effects of alcohol than you would have in probably a thousand years of psychedelics. So the Johns Hopkins University study concluded that people who genuinely wanted to quit smoking cigarettes and receive psilocybin, the... Uh, hallucinogenic ingredient in psychedelic mushrooms and cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, were much more likely to succeed than those who tried other traditional ways of quitting. Lead author of the study in University of Cincinnati postdoctoral researcher Nessie Devano notes these findings demonstrate the potential psychedelics offer when it comes to reshaping self-perceptions and helping people break free of old habits or addictions. Even in the face of life's daily inevitable triggers and temptations. Devano said in a university press release, we saw again and again that people had this feeling that they were done with smoking and that they were a non-smoker now. She continues that a new sense of self might help people resist temptation or old triggers. If you want to give up meat, but you smell a delicious steak, it might be hard to resist, the study author explains. But if you identify as a vegetarian and your sense of who you are as someone who does not eat meat, that identity helps encourage a different choice. During the smoking cessation study, therapists provided participants with guided imagery exercises in which they had to envision smoking as a behavior external to their core identity. Then participants documented their experience in writing. One guided imagery exercise from the study, for example, characterized nicotine addiction as an external force manipulating behavior for its own ends, similar to the zombie-creating fungus in HBO's recent series The Last of Us. Like the cordyceps, is that what they're called? Cordyceps, cordyceps fungi that functionally transforms insects into zombified marionettes to serve the fungi's own reproductive purposes. Smoking behavior is characterized as a form of parasitic manipulation, according to the study authors. Albert Garcia Romo, an assistant professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Johns Hopkins University, adds that psilocybin could serve as a, uh, serve as a catalyst to help motivate and inspire people when patients use it in combination with cognitive behavioral therapy. Professor Garcia Ramo comments, Cognitive behavioral therapy asks us to tune into the thoughts and feelings that we experience in our day-to-day -day lives and how those relate to our behaviors. In turn, people often tend to build a narrative or sense of self around these cognitive cognitions and behaviors. 
This sets the stage for actually having the psilocybin experience, which can both provide novel insights and perspectives as well as serve as a marker of that identity shift, like a rite of passage, signifying the change, for instance, from smoker to non-smoker. While Devineau admits the study sample size was relatively small, the results are still very encouraging. I feel that I am somehow fundamentally different uh, to yesterday, one participant writes. I guess I feel like some sort of metamorphosis has taken place, and thousands of people in these studies over the years and over the decades have said the same thing. Others said the treatment with psilocybin made quitting feel easier in comparison to past attempts. Another said that prior cravings for nicotine used to be unbearable. Yet during the dosing session, that same participant was unable to even imagine craving a cigarette. This is huge. One person explains the concept seems firmly cemented into my reality even today, that cravings are not something that are real. So how exactly do psychedelics help facilitate this transformation? Devineau theorizes people tend to get stuck in their ways and patterns of behavior, often responding the same way to stressors or other triggers over and over and over again, right? Stress, eating, smoking, binge drinking, things like that. She uses the analogy of a downhill skier who uses the same grooved path down the mountain that they had traveled a thousand times earlier. It's not that simple, but it's a metaphor for how we talk about psychedelics. Psychedelics, Devineau says, have been compared to skiing in fresh snow. Some researchers suggest that you might have more freedom to maneuver your skis anywhere down the mountain. The entrenched grooves of bad habits might not have as much of a pull on our skis so we can lay down other paths. The researcher concludes, we're looking for ways to help people shift behaviors and overcome the inertia of their habits that are more in line with their goals and aspirations. That's why psychedelics are of wider interest to researchers. In this study, published in the Kennedy Institute of Ethics Journal. I'm telling you, in our lifetime, in my lifetime and in your lifetime probably, psychedelics will be legalized. They will. And damn the governments, you heard me right, damn the governments, including the American government, that for decades kept this research out of the hands of people like the folks at Johns Hopkins University and other research facilities and institutions and hospitals who are doing the important research that should never, ever have stopped. And again, psychedelics are illegal, not because they're dangerous. They should never have been scheduled the way they were as a drug. They're scheduled as a drug that has no benefits and has a, a large, wide berth for abuse, it's not true. It's virtually impossible to become addicted to psychedelics. Did you know that? You probably didn't know that because your parents brainwashed you into thinking they were going to uh, turn your brains to mush. Actually, psychedelics, if you knew anything about them, are highly non-addictive, and they help crush other addictions like smoking and alcohol use. So it's just, it's unbelievable. It makes people more peaceful. It makes them break boundaries and borders. And that's very dangerous, as I said earlier, to governments. What do you think? I'd love to uh, hear your comments. By the way, I'm going to give out a phone number. Now, this may not work internationally, but those of you who are in the U.S., I would love to hear from you. You can text.